I think because it's easier, oftentimes people will focus on what is this developer doing or what is this developer doing? But we have so much research that shows us that a team is not simply the sum of its parts. It's based on how those people are working together. It can either be multiplicative where you're actually getting far more than you would with just summing up each of those individuals, or it can actually be subtractive and there can be dynamics that are happening in between that, that make the whole team worse off. Hmm. Um, one quick example of that, if people are interested in some of the research, is the Project Aristotle research from Google, where the, what kicked it off was they actually observed that despite hiring people at this very same high hiring bar, when they put them on teams, they would perform at vastly different levels. And so they could see that there was something about those team dynamics. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, wherever, which continent or country you are joining us. I'm very happy for this episode. Today with me, I have Lauren Peet. She's joining me from New Zealand, and we're going to talk about the well-being, productivity, and performance of engineering teams. Lauren, I'm very happy to have you. And let's start a little bit by talking about your background. Who are you? How did you get into tech? Yeah, sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Bassam. Um, I've been spending some time with your channel and I've really enjoyed the other chats. Um, so yeah, my background, the, the short version, the summary is that I'm accidentally in tech. I'm not one of those people who from a really early age was at home coding. Um, I was a big bookworm growing up. I was a big nerd. But um, yeah, it just, you know, it was a thing that was around, but I wasn't, it, it wasn't a huge part um, of my life until, um, so I grew up in Southern Arizona, close to the border with Mexico. And then I went to university out at Stanford. And so when I was out there, that you can't escape the tech and every other person I met had a startup idea. And so initially I was sort of like, okay, there's a lot of hype. I wonder what's going on here. You know, just sort of like, I'm not sure about this. Um, and then, um, but anyways, you know, everyone's talking about it. I knew that coding was important. So I did just one little intro class while I was there and that was it. And then after I graduated, ended up moving to San Francisco and working with Bain. And so as you might imagine, Bain and San Francisco, most of their clients are in tech. And so again, I was getting exposed. Um, I worked with everything from a security company to a semiconductor chip company where we were going deep into CPUs and GPUs and how do you validate them. And, um, and so along the way in getting exposed little by little, I started one, it was very evident that tech is such a big part of our lives. Um, but then two, what really got me excited about tech was the, what it can do for people and, and also um, how we can make tech work better for more types of people. And so, yeah, sort of um, accidentally, but but now I'm really glad that I'm here. That's awesome. So today you are sort of, you have a company that is sort of working in the DevOps. I'm not sure if it's in the DevOps space, but where, where would you categorize uh, the company that, that you are currently, that you have founded and that you are currently running? Yeah, yeah. And actually, I should wrap up the story from before, which was after spending a bunch of time with tech companies in San Francisco, I ended up moving to the Middle East and then working with startups out there. And that once I started working with startups rather than the bigger tech companies, that was really, really my home. Um, and so, yeah, that um, the short version, there's the sort of a whining journey of how it yeah. landed on Multitudes. But the short version is that Multitudes is a team analytics tool. Um, you could put us in the engineering effectiveness space, but I would say that 
if you put us in that space, think of us as the really people-focused version of it, not just, we're, we're not looking at things like lines of code. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're really about what are the metrics that show how well teams are working together, and then we know that performance flows from, from good and healthy team dynamics. Awesome. We're going to talk more about your, your company, Multitudes, and, and what you are trying to achieve there. Let's talk a little bit about team performance, right? I mean, generally in this space, a lot of uh, enterprises start looking at different types of metrics. Some of them are vanity metrics that are a little bit more noise than signal. Some of them are, uh, you know, they just want to cover how, how many pull requests is my team creating per day? How many are they closing per day? And they're looking at, you know, these high-level stuff, thinking that they give them really ideas about how their teams are performing. What are your thoughts on these? Is this something that your 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 work is is in that vein, or is it something entirely different? And what are your what are your opinions about these metrics? Yeah, yeah. The space there's um, there's a lot of interesting things happening in this space. Uh, so a couple of things that that are that we use as our approach and that I think are quite important. One is that team importance matters more than individual performance. So very often, I think because it's easier, oftentimes people will focus on what is this developer doing or what is this developer doing? But we have so much research that shows us that a team is not simply the sum of its parts. It's based on how those people are working together. It can either be multiplicative where you're actually getting far more than you would with just summing up each of those individuals or it can actually be subtractive and there can be dynamics that are happening in between that, that make the whole team worse off. Hmm. Um, one quick example of that, if people are interested in some of the research is the project Aristotle research from Google, where the, what kicked it off was they actually observed that despite hiring people at this very same high hiring bar, when they put them on teams, they would perform at vastly different levels. And so they could see that there was something about those team dynamics. So that's one thing, the team performance side. The second thing that I think is really important about this is uh, very often in this space, there's a real risk of it getting creepy, of it being someone more senior who's monitoring people who, and, and the senior person very often might not have the context to properly understand what the metrics are really meaning. And so, of course, you know, in the worst case scenarios, that can get really dangerous. Um, and that's why I think it's really important that when we do have these metrics, one, we, we look at how do we use the metrics as a starting point for a conversation, but we don't count it as the full answer. So, you know, it might be that um, there was a piece of work that took a lot longer and, and, but, but, you know, let's not blame anybody kind of like we do blameless postmortems. Let's just diagnose what happened. And very often it's actually a process change that needs to, to get improved more than, you know, blaming someone doesn't, isn't usually, it's never the solution. Um, so yeah, I would say yeah. kind of that like switching to getting the context. And then the last thing I'll say there, and I'll stop too, is also looking at instead of a senior person saying, oh, why aren't you doing X, Y, Z? putting the metrics in the hands of the teams, because first of all, it's their own data, but second of all, they have the context. And so then they'll be, they're in the best position to both understand what it really means and also to take action. 100%. Yeah, I think this applies to the entire statistics domain. Like we can always, you know, crunch any number and even fit the numbers to whichever narrative or story we would like at the end of the day. But if we don't have the context on what's really happening on the ground, the, you know, the sometimes the thoughts, the ideas of the, the engineering teams, you know, what's happening with them daily, the dynamics between them and their counterparts, their peers, even their managers, then the numbers will just, 
absolutely mean nothing. And and they will they it's just you know us monitoring certain trends, but these trends they don't tell us much about what's happening on the ground. Um, while I was doing some of the research, I saw um, that multitudes cares a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you tell us in your own words why the interest in these, um, you know, in these domains they, they are now becoming quite ubiquitous, and a lot of organizations and entities are doing trainings on them. You know, people are talking a lot about this. So, in your in your own words, can you define them for us a little bit, and why should we care about these? Yeah, yeah, I'll start with the definition. Um, I think that's always a good place to start. So uh, I'll break down each of the words, diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's a quote that I really love from a trainer in the States called Renee Myers. So her quote is, um, diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. So the diversity piece is around, do we have a mix of different backgrounds and experiences in the room? And then inclusion is, are we actually valuing those voices and, and bringing them to the table for the, the key decisions that need to be made? And then, of course, the equity piece is um, there's it's worth talking about the difference between equity and equality. Mm -hmm. So and some people might have seen there's a great image that illustrates this where equality is we just give the same thing to each person. Whereas equity is recognizing that we have systems and structures that are already treating people differently and, and unfairly in, in oppressive ways. And so to rectify that, we actually might need to work differently with different groups in order to balance out those inequities. Um, but yeah, really equity is around what are the policies and the structures that are set up to make sure that, that people are being treated fairly. And why do you think companies are focusing on this uh, very recently or in the recent times? I mean, in my, in my, when I started my career, there was definitely an, an, okay, I also come from a culture that did not really focus on a lot of these things. But now that like every entity, every company, every organization I work with or I consult for, uh, they, they talk a lot about this topic. Why do you think there's a movement in this direction? Yeah, I would say two things. One, I think it's important. Um, for me, I really look to the people who've been activists and have been working in this space for decades. Um, some of them are still alive, people like Angela Davis, we've got people like Bell Hooks, um, people who've been thinkers and shapers um, it, who've really been pushing the conversation forward before the rest of us caught on to how important this was. So that, you know, we're really, I feel really fortunate that we have that, that decades of, of um, thinking behind it. And then, of course, there have been some really big social movements over recent years. We had um, the Me Too movement. And, you know, I know in tech that that conversation coming to the tech space, having worked with companies that for some people, that was a real eye opener that that's happening in, in this space. Um, and then obviously Black Lives Matter and the importance of that movement. Um, you know, I think people are realizing that this isn't a fringe thing. This is a these systems and these problems that we have, they're actually part of our day-to-day -day lives. And so we need to do more to shift them. Yeah. 100%. So let's tie it back to, you know, the performance of engineering teams. So yeah. how does how does this affect the well-being, the happiness, the satisfaction, and even, you know, the performance and productivity of engineering teams? Yeah. So there's two ways that I see this breaking it down and, um, and, and time back to performance. And the first one is um, that when teams, when we're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
it's it's a way to make sure that we're actually valuing and really learning from and benefiting from all the different voices and perspectives on our teams. And so there's some great research around that. And it, I could actually speak ad nauseum about this because it's been so well documented at this point. Of course, there's nuances. But one of the main ones um, on a summary level is the McKinsey research that they've replicated again over several years where they saw that companies that have more diverse leadership teams, so they looked at gender and um, ethnic diversity, more diverse leadership teams and boards also have higher financial performance. So there's, you know, and, and then it, there's benefits for innovation and being able to connect with customers and et cetera, et cetera. So we, we can see that link of, you know, teams are working well, we get better ideas, we improve the ideas as we go, we have these better outcomes. There's a second piece that I would add to that, and this is, um, I think this one really relates to the fact that, first of all, it's also just the right thing to do. You know, we know that this is just people, every person has so much to offer. Why would we put up additional barriers for any people? It, it makes us all worse off. But what I can see, having worked with lots of different types of teams, and um, for a while I was running a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultancy, is the a team that's able to have these kinds of conversations because the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations are tough conversations and they can be vulnerable conversations for people to have. But teams that are building the muscles to have those conversations, they're also just better equipped to have other tough conversations too. And, and because they're practicing that openness and care for each other, but also because they're building trust that we really do, we are going to listen to everyone on this team. We've got each other's backs. Um, and so I haven't seen as much research around that, but I suspect that if we if we did do some research, we could we could also quantify that link too. Sounds great. Uh, this might sound like a redundant question, but why should managers? What's their incentive? You know, to adopt or to start thinking or to consciously make effort towards having more diverse teams. You know, I mean, I can understand that managers maybe they want people who just agree with them. It's just easier to manage, right? They lack of diversity sometimes is just makes moving forward a little bit easier than normal, right? So, what is the incentive really beyond beyond doing the right thing, beyond the ethical aspect of this? In your in your opinion, why should managers care? I'm glad that you named that. That's one of the nuances that I was thinking of earlier. Um, so let me, I'll, I'll just touch on that because that, that's been shown in the research too. So more diverse teams, it's true. In the short term, they have more discussions. Things can take longer to get, to get done or the decisions could take longer to get made because there's those different perspectives. Whereas more homogenous teams, they're more homogenous. People think the same way. And so it's usually faster to say, okay, fine. Yeah, we all think this is what we should do and do it. But the follow-on impact is where we see the benefits of diversity. So the yes, there's the upfront discussion and debate, but then the resulting decisions when we're out in terms of, you know, how is the product performing? How is the company performing? That's where we see the benefits um, of, those, of those better decisions. Yeah. Um, and you can think of it, you know, what's happening in that process of the debate and the discussion, it's, it's what we want to happen. It's testing some of the gaps and, and really improving it. Um, so yeah, that's you know we see that um, that the the decisions made are better. There's great research around at more diverse teams are more innovative. So again, you can see that you know if there's different perspectives, you're gonna get. And I see that on our team. 
Um, we have people who, uh, yeah, from all sorts of different backgrounds who will raise things that I, yeah, I probably yeah, had a blank not. spot around. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I definitely see this as well in, in, in our teams and, and at GitHub in general, like where I work, um, like one of the issues that, that people sometimes don't even recognize, like some languages are written from left to right, uh, you know, or right to left. That's that's yes. a very simple example, like, and it's very easy to just overlook the simple thing, right? And GitHub, and especially for like global products, um, it's very important to have, a, you know, a diverse uh diverse people working on it because they will give you perspectives and, and and areas that you have never never even considered like maybe even the nuances of colors uh you know in, in design um language language barriers uh cultural idioms uh, you know and, and how people think in general about your product so definitely i can see it for global companies that this is of a major added value to have you know people from across uh, across the, the globe and the market uh, participating in, in uh, the product decisions and the engineering as well. And can I can I give some examples also on the product side specifically too? Because we have so many, I mean, one, I think people are more aware of some of the disaster stories that have happened where I think it was Dell released a touchpad that they'd only tested with men. And because on average, women run at a slightly different temperature range than men do, it just didn't work for women. That's that's such a yeah. failure, you know. And if you think about the effort, the time that they would have put, because they didn't figure it out until it was already in market. I mean, the lost money and time and people effort, yeah. what a waste, you know. Um, so 100%. there's more and more of those stories coming out. And then the flip side, and there's some great talks around this. Um, there's this mantra that I've seen more and more in the design space around if you design for uh, these DEI, these diversity, equity, and inclusion principles, it's better for everybody. So one example that I love is um, this move to put closed captions on videos. And so Facebook started doing that. Other social media companies started doing it. And it was, yes, you know, we want to make sure we're accessible. And then turns out today, it's something like 70 to 80% of Facebook videos are watched on silent because People are on the bus or they're yeah. in a, a space with other people and they don't want everyone to know what they're watching. And, and so, you know, that's something where by designing for, from a DEI perspective, it actually was better for everybody. 100%. Exactly. And I, I wanted to tweet this the other day uh, because I was looking at what our docs team is doing and they have made our, you know, documentation a little bit more accessible, you know, for people who are differently abled. And I was just thinking that a very, something that might sound, you know, very, how do you call it? Um, trivial like whenever we optimize for accessibility it just makes the product even better for you know that it's just the, the, the folks who have already been using it not just for the differently able people right like you could even use the product faster better sometimes in a more optimized way so i i think it's a no-brainer to optimize uh you know for that and and to think about these things early on and as soon as possible in, from a product perspective so true right. yeah I want to jump to talk about uh, a little bit more details. I want to dig deeper into some of the metrics that you think every manager should focus on, right? Like, how do we keep track of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion? It's very difficult. So we can obviously observe it, make conscious efforts towards it, but how do we measure it? What do we need to measure? What do we need to look at? Yeah, so I'll talk about um, this from an organization-wide level, and then it looks a bit different when we're thinking about it on a team level. So on an organization level, there's some great, um, I would actually, I would reference the Project Include work for this. They've got some toolkits if people are looking at how to do this. 
but it's it, it is making sure that we're tracking what is the diversity of our team members does that diversity extend up through the most senior ranks of our leadership team is that in our board um, do we see that diversity across different parts of the business? So in tech, we'll often we'll see some companies who report their overall stats, which maybe look good. And then you look at the product and engineering teams and the, they're much less diverse. And so um, are we really seeing that across the whole business? Um, so those are, you know, the, that's those are really good overall stats for people to be looking at. One of the things that we're really interested in and focused on with multitudes is well, what does that look like on a team basis? And a lot of the surveys that make a lot of sense at an organization level where people are self-reporting on different aspects of their identity, when you can anonymize it, that's great. It's okay to ask what's, what's your sexuality, um, did your parents go to university, those types of things in aggregate, that's fine. We can properly anonymize it. But on a team, we still want to have, we want to make sure that we're treating people in equitable ways. But if we ask those questions and it's a team of five, even a team of 10, we could very easily start to de-anonymize people. And so one of the things we're really focused on is let's look at the inclusive behaviors in the day-to-day. -day. So things like, is everyone getting feedback? And we know from the research that people from marginalized groups, they're actually just less likely to get feedback in the first place, which has, as you would imagine, has flow-on effects for personal learning and growth, for the step-up opportunities and promotions they get. So first and foremost, is everyone getting feedback? Um, there's another piece of work that we're doing as well around, again, one of the other things we know from the research is that people from marginalized groups are less likely to get specific feedback. And so even if someone is getting a comment like, great job, if someone's not saying, well, this was great because in this piece of code that you did, it was really clearly documented and the logic was, was you know, smooth and they're not saying the XYZ reasons, it's hard for someone to know what they should continue to do and replicate next time around. Um, so that's another thing we're looking at is, is everyone getting specific feedback? Um, so it's really the, in the day-to-day -day behaviors, are people getting the support that they need? And are we um, hearing from and valuing all the different voices in the room? Great. I want to talk about multitudes. Um, so first of all, we mentioned a little bit what your what your company is focused on. Can you give us a little bit more details about the product? Like, what are you trying to achieve, and and how are you going about it? Yes. So the quick summary is that we are a team analytics tool that is designed to unlock happier and higher performing teams. And the way that we do that is by integrating with the tools that people already use. So starting with GitHub, we, we love what you all do. <laughs> We're big fans. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, starting with the GitHub integration, but also Jira and Slack coming soon. And then from that, we can pull out insights like who's getting less feedback and support. So we can see, you know, we're, um, for example, with the GitHub data, we're looking at comments on pull requests and mm. whether some people are getting fewer than others. Um, we can also show things that are more related to well-being, like who might need to check in about burnout in your next one-on-one, because we can see that they've been working really long hours over a period of weeks. Um, so yeah, the, what we're really focused on is the well-being, the collaboration metrics, and that you know that's that's where we think people should be focusing. That's if things are going wrong there, that's a leading indicator for performance going awry. And if things aren't going well there, that's what we need to change. It's, it links much more clearly to what do I do about it. And then we link that over to some of the accelerate metrics. So things like lead time or um, deployment frequency. 
And, but those are really, those are the outcome metrics. We're really interested in what's happening on the people side and these leading indicators. Okay, that's awesome. So you tie it back to Dora and uh, the Dora research. <clears throat> okay, and how that, that is affecting the performance of the team. That's, uh, that's exactly. great to hear. That's, that's fascinating. And like, first time you told, told me about this, I was really curious to see how, uh, how, this, uh, how, how this looks like in terms of product. Do you currently have it implemented in organizations and are they actually seeing, you know, deriving value from this? Did they, were they able to spot uh, potential problems with their teams before they occur and they were able to preemptively remedy some of these issues? Yeah, yeah. So we launched our beta um, in the second half of last year. So we're out working with our beta testers, getting lots of feedback. It's been great. And we've seen some really cool shifts. So um, one example I can give, one thing we've actually seen this across a few different companies now is sometimes seniors, um, you know, I don't, I, I think they can get over, they're sometimes overloaded with work and it means they don't have the capacity and space to also be doing the coaching and mentoring that we so much want seniors to do for, for our junior and intermediate talent. And so one team in particular that we worked with, they noticed that the most senior person on the team was giving us feedback. So again, you know, no blame. And, and there was a bigger conversation around, do you have time to be giving that feedback to people? Are we setting you up to be able to do that? But, but they did notice one senior was doing less of that. And so um, the manager and the, the senior developer had a conversation and set a goal to try to get that up and, and to work on that together. And then over three weeks, we saw that person go from giving the least amount of feedback on the team to giving the most. Wow. And that one, you know, what I really love about it too is this wasn't someone far and away up high saying, hey, you need to change this. It was giving the data back to the individuals that it's about because then they bring the context. And then that senior developer was in charge of managing this for themselves and being able to say, okay, well, you know, where can I make the shifts and, and where do I want to get to? Um, so I would, I would argue that that's just a healthier way to approach this type of change as well. So we've seen that. And then another example that I can give is um, where... We've, we've even in other cases seen that, so I mentioned we've seen this issue in a few companies, and we've also seen how that can flow on to then the speed of the work getting done. So um, another organization, similar thing, seniors getting less feedback. Um, they, uh, for them, actually, it was a trend across several teams in the engineering department where, um, oh, sorry, flipping it, seniors were getting less feedback. So we're it was, getting, it was yeah. slightly okay. different. Yeah. yeah. And so the um, CTO was worried about whether the seniors were getting enough of their own leadership and development opportunities. Um, and so anyway, the CTO ran an experiment where he actually, using our data, was able to argue with other members of the leadership team that it would be worthwhile to pull a senior dev out of the day-to-day the -day doing and put them in a mentorship role for other seniors. So it was someone who was very, very experienced. Um, and anyway, they so they ran the experiment and they saw that over the course of a month, their senior developers started to get twice as much feedback from other seniors. So first of all, it worked in sort of the near term, the behavior change that they wanted to see. And then over the next two months, we saw a 30% increase in how quickly they were getting the peers out the door. So 30% increase in their lead time. So those types of things, this is something we're going to dive into more over the coming year. But we're seeing some of those really interesting anecdotes of how these people changes can then flow on and improve the, the team performance too. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think... One of the negative aspects of compiling metrics in general and just looking at this is that it can be used in multiple ways, right? It, it really takes a, a culture change or a, 
let's say the proper mindset on a leadership level for them to you know utilize this information in a, in a in a good way in a positive way in a way that drives their teams forward what do you think about tying these this data to uh, rewards compensation and things like that do you think it's a good idea or it's a bad idea if it's a bad idea why yeah i um I, I think for any of those really important conversations, be it compensation, be it promotions, it, it, you can use some data points, but it, it has to be added to the people context and the qualitative feedback and conversations that people have as well. Um, so I think that's the first thing is it's if we're what I know for certain is if we were to be reductive and say, well, we're just going to look at these metrics, that is the wrong answer because even if, and we say this all the time at Multitudes, even if we had every integration in the world, let's say we knew all the ways that someone's interacting with their team members, because we're dealing with people, that still wouldn't be the full picture. Because people do things offline, people change, people are somewhat chaotic sometimes. Yeah. And so it can never, the, the data point should always only be a starting point for conversation. And so something we think about a lot when we're designing the product is, the dashboard on its own, it should never just be that. We need to be opinionated around what do you do with this? Um, so one example I can give is we've rolled out a, a one-on-ones view. So how can you start to weave some of these insights into your one-on-one conversations? But instead of just having, oh, here's a graph, you know, take it to your one-on-one, we've paired it with questions to ask because we want that reminder that this isn't the full story. Make sure that you get the extra context from the people. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, because I, I love seeing this and I, I love seeing reminders in the products to people about about this stuff, right? It's very easy to overlook these and start thinking, oh, yeah, this person is not really giving feedback. There's something wrong going on here. Maybe we should try to incentivize them in some way. And then we start tying it to compensation. And then there's competition in, amongst the team about, you know, who is giving the most feedback. And then we start, you know, drifting in the wrong direction, as opposed to creating a better team dynamic than we start start optimizing for the wrong thing. And that, uh, that is not uh, definitely doesn't lead to the desired outcomes. Uh, how big is your current engineering team uh, that is working yeah. on the product? And I want to ask a follow-up question to that, which is, do you drink your own champagne? Are you using your product internally? And what are some interesting insights that you got out of it? Yeah, love that. Um, I love that framing of do you drink your own champagne? It's much more elegant than the usual do you <laughs> eat your own food. dog food? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start using I never that. understood that one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, I've, I've never looked up the origin. Um, yes, so I think the beginning, so we do use the product ourselves. We use it in one-on-ones. We use it in our retros. Um, it's great. It's, I think, by far the best way to be building it because it means our team is very, you know, oh, so, and I guess the first part was who's on our team. So we've got four people that are strictly in the engineering side and then two engineers, but they're, they're data scientists. Um, and so everyone on the team, because we all know we're going to be using it in retros and in one-on-ones, we're all very motivated to make sure that they're metrics that we really feel happy about. And something else that I've seen too, so we as a team have sat down and put together our own um, data ethics principles. So our own guidelines around how we will and won't use the data that we get. And one thing that's been really great to see, maybe because we drink our own champagne, but I think also because of the type of team that we have, is that people have been really active in saying, hey, 
when something's in development, hey, do you know what? I'm not sure how this is going to work for ICs. Let's do some more testing. Um, and we've even had times when we've been willing to scrap features, even features that had gotten a little bit further along in development because we had concerns about whether it could be used in, in reductive ways. Definitely. I mean, this is the best way, you know, to build a product, like use it on a daily basis. You will discover a lot of the problems that are associated with it. You'll fix them way earlier and you will even have the experience, you know, and the feel. It's always like different, not always, but like in many cases, different than what we imagine when we are trying to design the product. Um, and that's that's very awesome. I dropped the link uh, to your uh, to your company and to your product uh, in the here, like somewhere. <laughs> in, I see this, it. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. If anyone's interested in in having a look and and seeing uh, what you guys are focusing on, um, this has been really great. What are the next steps uh, for you? Uh, where are you going with the product? Uh, are, are you expanding your engineering team? Are you hiring? Um, what are your focus for the next uh, upcoming year, let's say? Yeah, so the next year is going to be a really big one. Um, there's a couple. I'll start with product. Uh, that, one's, that one's top of mind for a few reasons. So one of the things that we're um, really thinking about is how can we make it even easier for our users to get to know what they need to know right now? So we've started, I'd say last year, we were really focused on, let's get an interesting base of metrics. Let's make sure we've got some of the useful DevOps team performance metrics. Let's get some good um, people-focused team dynamic metrics. And we'll, of course, keep building on that and adding to those. But, but what we're hearing really loudly and clearly is people are really busy. And so they just want us to tell them what matters right now. Um, so yeah, we're looking a lot, this is our, our data scientists in particular, around how can we dynamically surface the insights that matter most, the graphs that matter most in that moment. So that's one piece of that. And then how can we make it even easier for people to take action? So based on what we're seeing in the data, do we recommend that this is a conversation to have in a one-on-one, or maybe it's a conversation to have in a retro, or you know, and, and um, really being able to give those suggestions and of course, always deferring to the human insight, but at least giving people a starting point that they can, they can more easily react to. So yeah, lots happening there. And then the second big thing on the product side is this piece around even further showing that link between the team side of things, those team dynamics, and the, the outcomes, those team performance metrics. And we've got, there's a bunch of academic research, but what I can tell you is that People, people I know appreciate the academic research and we all wanna know what that looks like for us. What's the link for my teams between these things? And so that's another piece that um, we'll be really diving deeper into. So that's the product side, lots of exciting things to come, really trying to make it as easy as possible for people to know what they need to know and to have the, those really useful conversations about the, the metrics. Um, and then yes, yeah, we have a couple open engineering roles at the moment, so we are growing our team. Um, and um, so, yeah, if anyone's interested, also check out the website for those too. Awesome. Top of mind, are you hiring remotely or only uh, in New Zealand at the moment? Yeah, good question. We, um, we are a remote and distributed team. We do prefer people in our time zones just because it's a little bit easier for coordination. Um, we'll expand that eventually, but we're small enough right now that, that it is easier if it's similar time zones. Perfect. Lauren, this has been really, really awesome. I'm gonna wrap up right now. Do you have any closing thoughts? No, just thank you so much for having me. And um, I've really enjoyed chatting about both the DEI side and, and the team dynamics and, and why those really should be the starting point for any team performance conversation we want to have.
Thank you very much. This has been really insightful. Uh, I'm very passionate about this topic myself, and I'm really looking forward to what you're going to be doing with your team and, and taking the company forward. So, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.